Hello and welcome to the Business and Beyond podcast for the week of August 19th, 2023. I'm Gary Dick, and we're going to get right to it this week. My conversation with the CEO of a diverse marketing agency and a nationally recognized speaker and his unconventional path to getting there. And I am pleased to be joined on the podcast this week by Travis Brown, the founder, CEO of Mojo Up Marketing and Media. Travis, uh, how are you? I'm doing great. It's uh, it's a pleasure to be with you. Uh, I've been a longtime fan of watching your shows and all the wonderful guests you have. So it's an honor to be with you today. Well, I appreciate that, uh, Travis. And you have a you have a really great story, you know, all the way around. So I'm I'm, I'm anxious to get into that. First of all, though, Mojo Up Marketing, black owned, minority operated business. Give us a thumbnail description of what Mojo uh, Mojo Up Marketing is all about. We're a a black owned, full service brand creative agency that geeks out on building and advertising brands. You know, at the end of the day, people have a story that needs to be told. And our our purpose is really to be able to help tell that story, shape their brand, and make their greatest impact. And we do that from solopreneurs, small businesses. We also have uh, enterprise clients as well. So we have a wonderful staff and super excited to be, you know, really representing the Indianapolis, Indiana market um, as a marketing agency. Talk about that, Travis, because everybody talks about brand and and brand development. And in in your view, and I I guess various people would have different different takes on what brand is all about and what establishing a brand is all about. From your perspective, what are really the important elements when a company, big or small, you know, tries to really develop and establish that brand? Well, I think what most people think of brand, they think about this logo, right? They think about the Jumpman, they think about the Starbucks logo, the Apple, the Nike Swoosh, what have you. But it's really not about the logo. It's really about the story behind the logo. Mm-hmm. And what the big brands have done for years is they spent billions of dollars to really tell a story of who they are, what they do, how they do it, why they do it, and the level they do it. And, and when, when you can invest money and enough money to do that, ultimately you create a brand. What most small businesses really need is a unique positioning. It's a little bit different. It's really about a problem that they solve. So like in our business, Gary, we always say, you know, most of our clients are great at what they do. Just not enough people know how great they are at what they do. And we solve that. We help them build the right message, do all the creative, put it in front of their ideal client, wow them and help them grow their business, make more money, drive revenue or make an impact. And so when I think about what we our, our job is, is to help people craft that message because they're already doing great things. They just don't know how to really communicate it in a way that makes people go, oh, I want to work with them. And that's what we do uh, through the lens of a brand and creative. Talk about Mojo Up Marketing. Uh, how old is the company? And uh, you're obviously gaining a lot of traction and, and you are gaining a lot of attention too uh, on the speaking circuit and, and other things. Talk about the growth of the organization. So we just celebrated four years. Um, we like a lot of businesses that opened four years ago. Six months later, we were inside of COVID trying to figure You're out. Right. What to do. Yeah. You know, we had we realized that man, we couldn't go shoot video. We couldn't, you know, go network to get business. We couldn't meet the clients. So uh, that was a very difficult time. Um, but we survived, and now we're on our way to thriving. Which for us has been the growth of understanding how to work in the small business market, which is where we got our origin, personal brands, things like that nature. To now working with Lilies and AES, Southwest Airlines, the airport, bigger enterprise level clients, and finding a way to be able to say, okay, we can really help you think about a strategy that tells a story that connects to an audience that moves your needle. 
And what makes us, I think, a little bit more unique is we get to come behind that and say, well, we can also design all of it, right? So copy, uh, graphic design. We have a robust video production team. And Gary, a lot of people see our video work and they're like, okay, wow, Mojo Up was on the scene, but it was the strategy that drove that. And then we can also run a media buy campaign and make sure that you put that in front of our audience. So the evolution has gone from that personal brand, small business, and now we found a space with large companies as well. Yeah, and I think it's interesting too because you know, I think for a long time there was always that perception that boy to get that full service, uh, you know, high level marketing media type service, you had to go to Chicago or the coast or other place. But that's it, and you are an example of dispelling that, uh, and that there's great creative uh, right here in in Indianapolis and Indiana. Well, especially if you want to add in a lens of diversity. You know, so one of the things that we really stand on is our diversity. And it's, we always say we're diverse and talented, you know, because sometimes people believe that like you, if this is a choice, you got to choose diversity or or talent. And we go, no, we're, we're both. And the reason why that's so important to people out there is because as you try to really expand your audiences and really market your product or service to a diverse group of individuals, maybe it's internally with your with your staffing or your potential clients, we believe that we have that ability to go our diversity, both racial, what obviously from a black owned, and we have a lot of minorities in our company, from a male-female perspective, from an age perspective, from a geographic region of where people come from perspective, that we can think like, talk like, act like, and sell like your customers need to have that experience. And so in the agency world, especially in Indianapolis, there are a lot of great agencies. And we look up to a lot of them and uh, you know admire the work that they've done. But we have more diversity from a racial perspective with 13 employees than the big agencies here in town do with 100. And so for companies out there that care about supplier diversity and that diverse messaging, we've become a, a go-to player for them. Do you find that uh, in this age when certainly diversity, equity, inclusion, very important, increasingly important, do you find that clients or potential clients from other parts of the country maybe are surprised at the level of diversity that you provide here in Indianapolis and the Midwest? Well, I think they're surprised right here in the greater Indianapolis area. You know, I think you find that in the Chicagoland or L.A. or New York. You can't find some of that. But some of our the biggest clients have said even their big agencies of records don't have that kind of diversity. So it was very intentional to build a company to give diverse creatives an opportunity here. Really part of the, the, the passion or the mission of our company is through our excellence, like we're, we're here to change the way that people think about diverse and talented creatives. And in this general Indianapolis area, you know, we are the largest Black-owned marketing agency. Now, there's a lot of other wonderful uh, Black creatives, uh, designers, PR. There's pillars in, in individual services. But an agency like ours that's going toe-to-toe with some of the, the, the big agencies nowadays, uh, we're, 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 we're a rare breed. You talk about creating brands. You have a brand yourself. Uh, you become uh, a sought-after a speaker. It's a big part of your business and your brand. Talk about that, the messages that you get out there and some of the the uh, the companies, the organizations, the celebrities, Nicholas Cage, Jamie Foxx, and others that you've been you've been engaged with. So you've yeah. uh, you've had quite a ride on that uh, from that aspect too. Yeah, you know the the speaking platform has always given me an opportunity to stand on that stage and just motivate, inspire people to achieve things they maybe never thought possible. And so that's always been near and dear in any business that I've been in. But after three thousand plus now paid talks in my life. The stage is something that still uh, is inspiring for me. In fact, a couple of days ago, I was in Chicago um, for Remax's Global Broker Owner Conference, you know, on their big stage. 
you know, talking about brand and story and impact. But I just have some really cool ones because I remember getting the call from at that time, which was Jamie Foxx's daughter. And, all, and the short version is I got to fly to LA, speak to uh, her school at the time, which is uh, Sierra Canyon, where Bronnie James just graduated from. And at the time I was doing leadership and I looked down the end of this, this, this meeting, I did the whole school and I was having a, a group of 10 kids that were sitting in this room. I looked out in the table and it was Kendall and Kylie Jenner were in that room. And so you're speaking at, at a level now and they're just, you're, they're young, right? But you know, the family, you know who they are. Uh, and this is gosh, 2007 probably ish or 2009 maybe. And then now to see what they're doing now and know that you kind of had, you know, an opportunity to sit in front of and, and hopefully at some level inspire people like that is definitely pretty cool. But I love the speaking platform, the opportunity just to help people and challenge people to, to be their best self. Well, you've come a long way from uh, the early days growing up in Lafayette, Indiana, right? Tippecanoe County. Talk about life growing up in, in Lafayette. Well, I'm a, I'm a, I'll say I'm an old guy now, Gary. Um, <laughs> so, you know, back in the, the late 80s and 90s, when I was in Lafayette, I graduated from McCutcheon High School, was yep. a three-star athlete, baseball, basketball, football, 12 varsity letters in those sports. And, and really, it was, it, sports was my thing. And as I have kids, I have a, my oldest is 21 at Purdue, and then I have two littles, uh, an eight and a 10. You know, when I look back, I, I know that sports probably saved my life. It gave me a place to own, belong. But at that time... You know, I was always an only, except my family members that happened to be in the school. And so it gave me a place that I could excel. And it wasn't about my color, my race, wasn't about any of those things, my poverty that we grew up in. It just was an equal playing field for me to be great at something. And I think that was so important to my development of learning sports, athletics, and the competitiveness that you could control something. Because, you know, a lot of people in poverty, in some of those situations, you feel like you can't control all the other things around you. But if I could just control this, and that's what sports was for me, and uh, it really drove me to try to be great at something. I, I know your parents divorced at a young age, and you spent you know a lot of time with your mom. Your mom, I assume, was uh, very much a role model, an important part of of your development, uh, and probably to this day, maybe. Well, you know, uh, back then, you know, the world was just very different. And and my mom was the person that took me to the batting cages. And, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, I remember I was playing on the junior Olympic team after the 90, 1992 Colt World Series. And we went on like a Tuesday night. We're going to we're, we're flying to Beaumont, Texas to play in the junior World Series, uh, Olympic World Series. And she jumped in her car, drove 25 hours to be there. Yeah, and so yeah. mom always has a, has, a, has, a, has a part in my heart. And, you know, my dad, you know, as I look back, there were lessons that he taught me. And the one thing that I really got from my dad, too, was about just he was he was a hard worker. He always loved people and was 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 great. Uh, but I also learned a lot about what to do and what I want to do different as a father from my relationship with my dad, which growing up wasn't very good. But now as an adult and we've had just the most great, great conversations. You talk about speaking. I took my dad to um, one of my first speaking engagements he's ever seen me speak uh, last year in Nashville. And we spent the whole car ride just talking about lessons and how you as a kid perceive what happened, how you as an adult perceive it, and just trying to mend the growth of, of two grown men now talking about, man, my dad was a great dad compared to his dad, and I'm trying to be a great dad compared to my dad. That's great. Well, you mentioned sports, such an important part uh, of your life. You're very good at it. Got a scholarship to Purdue, right? T- talk about that. Did you did, did you have uh, you know several opportunities to to go to college, uh, to play football or play other sports? Yeah. So I was really torn between baseball and football. I was going to um, go to play, originally go to IU to play baseball. 
And I had an opportunity to go to Illinois State first to play uh, football and baseball. And at the time, they had just won the Missouri Valley. They had they had they had uh, a great baseball program and football program was one double A. But as an opportunity to kind of go do both, which I thought was going to be great. Then I went there for a year. Then ended up leaving, coming to Purdue. And back then, the portal wasn't what it is, right? So you had, right. you had to actually sit out an entire year even when you transferred back then. And so I went through the transition of Joe Tiller or uh, Coach Coletto's last year and Coach Tiller's first year. And so I only, only made it a year, which uh, was a uh, an experience in itself to kind of go through that. But now you look back and there's a lot of guys that um, I, I built relationships with even when I was there. Been a longtime Purdue person. So everybody knows me. I love to give all IU people, you know, crap for a lot of things. So, <laughs> but, but, but you know what? That experience taught me a lot. Um, it also taught me that you also have to have the right people in place. Because, Gary, one of the biggest mistakes that I, that I made in my life was when I decided to leave uh, Purdue. And I had so much opportunity. And I needed that person that says, hey, I know it's tough. I know it's not working exactly like you want, but if you stick with it, it's going to be okay. And it's one of those things that ultimately has haunted me, but also drove me to do the things that I'm doing now. And also the way that I've raised my kids to, to really help them understand that, you know, adversity is coming. Uh, it will come and you have some choices to make on how you will overcome that. And that's how I approach my life now, especially through lives of business and being a father and a husband. Talk about that because I'm always fascinated how people deal with adversity and how how things that seemingly are extremely negative and difficult turn out to uh, you know on the flip side to be a positive ultimately uh you left Purdue and did I read were you working in a, par- a pawn shop yeah God, I'm probably impressed Gary did, he did deep homework you know <laughs> I remember having this moment where I was working at a local pawn shop in Lafayette and here I was a, you know there's athlete scholarship opportunities you know, and then I'm working at a pawn shop. And I remember having this epiphany, like, this is not what I envisioned for my life. This is not the direction, you know, and my mom and my dad were both factory workers all their life for the most part. And I'm like, this is not who I wanted to be. And I think everybody has that spot where you get in life where you're like, I didn't want this, right? I, this is, I didn't want to be in a divorce situation. I didn't want to be in a financial challenges. I didn't want to be in this job dead end. And you have two options. It's either, you know, you pack your stuff up and you just go away we have to sit, figure out how you get out of that. And for me, getting out of it was um, starting to listen. This is old school, Gary, uh, the Amway business. Yeah, yeah. And they used to have these tapes that you could listen to that were positive motivational tapes. And it helped to start retraining my mind about positivity, what could happen, what I could do. And I had a little small group of influencing people that were like, no, you can make it. Like, I don't care where you came from. I don't care how much money. I don't care your poverty. I don't care how many times you dropped out of college. You can make it. And so I started on that mindset shift to reprogram that thoughts, those opportunities for me to do something with my life, which really led me to learning how to speak, which learned me learning how to be an entrepreneur, starting my first marketing company at like 21 and going through a, a whole period of my life that I had to reprogram a lot of junk. And so I think that's, you know, fast forward years later is, is part of the reason why I wanted to be a speaker. In fact, the reason why was I thought, I'm like, how do I help a 16 year old Travis Brown make different decisions? Yeah. How could I do that? If I could get on a stage in an audience in front of 16-year-olds and help them make a better decision or help that kid who's in college is thinking about quitting, not quit, that's what started to drive me of becoming a motivational speaker. So that adversity then retrained my mind from a positive perspective and the people around me, which you always hear about, mm-hmm. became the, catal- the catalyst for me to become you know, who I am today. How long did it take for it to happen? 
It seems like ever, uh, first of all, and it seems like I'm still trying uh, to do that. I think that's what people have to understand is that the job from, from, from growth is never over. You know, most people go to college, get a degree, and they stop learning. For me, because I became a two-time college dropout, which meant that my path of job and opportunity was going to be limited because of lack of education traditionally, I was going to have to educate myself more. I just told somebody, I've spent no less than $15,000 a year for the last 20 years educating myself with coaches, consultants, courses, uh, masterminds, like no less than that, probably, probably double that if I actually ran the math. But it's been a long-term growth process. In fact, one of our core values at Mojo Up is growth mindset. We always talk about learn, teach, and grow. I mean, you got to learn and you got to teach other people so that you can grow and so that they can grow. And so I think it's a lifelong journey. I know it's a little cliche for some uh, cliche for some people to say you're always learning, but the truth is, man, if you're not always learning, then you're dying. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think it's, uh, you know, kind of to that point, a lot of talk these days about lifelong learning and how you know, kind of the old traditional mindset was go to college for four years, get out and get a job and, and move on. But but in reality, whether you're you're a consultant, a factory worker or what, whatever the case might be, that lifelong learning is what's what's key to advancing and fulfillment and, and, and money as well. Well, it's funny because in our business, we, we talk to a lot of people around social media and a lot of adults will be like, well, I didn't grow up with social media. I'm like, well, the kids didn't, like some of these kids didn't either. Like TikTok is only like three years old, right? So, you know, nobody grew up with that. You know, Instagram is, I don't know, 10 or 12, or whatever that number is. But like the, the excuse that I think a lot of us make is like, I, I just don't know how. And I don't, I, and really what they should say is I just don't want to do it. And that's okay. But in this day and age, when it comes to business, you have to learn, you have to adapt. You got to be in one position, either do the work yourself or pay somebody else to do it for you. And, and I think that's what, what we're doing for, for clients is they don't want to do it themselves. We have the ability to go in and, and kind of help them. Much more ahead with Travis Brown, the founder, the CEO of Mojo Up Marketing and Media, getting that second chance and making the most of it. Uh, Travis Brown, more with him when we return on the Business and Beyond podcast. At PNC Bank, we're committed to making a difference in the lives of our customers and communities by helping them move forward financially. As a Main Street Bank, we try to do right by our customers with every encounter. Our local teams offer personalized financial advice to help guide you in making the best decision. We're proud to be part of your community. PNC Bank. See how we can make a difference for you at PNC.com. Copyright 2022, the PNC Financial Services Group Bank. All rights reserved. Welcome back to the Business and Beyond podcast presented by PNC. My guest this week is Travis Brown. Travis is founder and CEO of Mojo Up Marketing and Media, a full-service uh, agency uh, here in Indianapolis. And uh, Travis, uh, you, you talked about, uh, you know, kind of reaching a, a low point, rebounding the things you did to, to make things happen and, and to make it better, to make it work. One of the things I, I know uh, I, I read about you and your background is you wanted to make sure you were doing it the right way, kind of the second time, if you will, you know, as you kind of rebuilt your life. What, what were the things that you, you really focused on 
to turn things around at that time? Well, I think it came at a point in time that I, I was reading a book by John Maxwell called Becoming a Person of Influence. And it really struck me because in that book, he really talked about non-compartmentalization and a living a life that no matter if it's business, whether it's in your marriage, whether it's with your church friends, your buddies, like you are always the same person. Your character was always the same. And, you know, kind of growing up in the area, the era that I grew up, I felt like we were kind of taught to compartmentalize different aspects of your life. And so this was a reset for me to say, I'm going to be an authentic version of me, transparent to who I am, how I think and how I feel. And that process was tough. It means that you have to admit some failure. You have to take some ownership from stuff that, you know, you wish you didn't have to admit that was your fault. Um, and for me, that that started uh, on this rebound with a, a marriage that ended. And so that was a tough part of my life because my parents divorced at a young age. The time I had a three-year-old and I didn't want to go down that path, but decisions took me down that path. And so then I had to try to rebuild it from a personal perspective and then from a financial perspective and from a career perspective. And, you know, we talked about adversity a little bit ago. Those are all things that, that you have to be dialed in to say, I'm going to own it and then I'm going to fix it. And my life has been a series of just, you know, mistakes, failures, and then fixing it. In fact, Gary, when I used to talk to kids a lot of times, I used to tell them, listen, the biggest difference between me and you is I just have more failures. Mm-hmm. Like, I just have more failures. I've done yeah. this longer, uh, made those mistakes, and uh, I'm willing to accept them and then move on from them. And I think that was a that was a part of my journey that was instrumental in who I am today. Do you think that kind of ties back to you talk about the importance of sports uh, in your life and, 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 you know, failure in sports, which is, you know, commonplace, you know, a a major league baseball player hits one out of three and he's hall of fame, you know, 300 hitter, but being able to deal with failure and to use failure as kind of that learning experience. Well, I think I, I think I was faced with it so much that instead of running from it, hiding from it or acting like it doesn't exist, I, I tried to leverage it. It became like, okay, I fail, but I, I'm going to prove that I can still succeed. And, and sometimes that's dangerous because then you're chasing, trying to prove to other people. And don't get me wrong, I had demons that I felt like I had to prove to other people because some people had bet on me. Some people had thought I was going to be you know, something more significant than I was at a point in time in my life. And so I had to change that. And I think sports does give you that competitiveness where you're like, you understand how to win and lose. The thing about life is you have to figure out what is winning and losing in the game of life. And for a lot of people, especially athletes, they really search for that same adrenaline, that same excitement, that same thrill. And so I was looking for that from a business, from a personal perspective. It just took me some some time to figure that out. Now, part of that was just a spiritual journey that I was on. I'm a Christian. I love Jesus. And so once I understood that I was good enough, whole enough to be who I was in my own skin then I didn't have to try to do it for everybody else. It was about me and my, my relationship with the Lord. So that was a big uh, also shift in my life to just recalibrate my integrity, uh, my honesty, my direction, my vision to say, I have a direction I want to go. And then Travis Brown, are you willing to do the work to get there? You could have gone into, I, I assume, various uh, directions as you looked for your ultimate career. It, it seems as though, uh, you know, this marketing, speaking motivational talks, those types of things seems to be a great fit. Why, why do you do what you want to do? And why, why is this your uh, seemingly, why is this your passion? Well, I think that for some regards, I don't know that I chose speaking in our market. I feel like it chose me. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I, I feel like, you know, you get to a point and you're like, what do I do? And I spent 10 years in the mortgage business. So I have that background too, but it was about like, how do you, how do you empower people's lives? You know, and today's part of our mission is like, I, I'm able to, with my wife, who's a, she's associate principal at Warren Central, had been there for 20 years. You know, we've been married for the last 11 years. Like we have this ability to think about what we can give our kids, but we know that not everybody can give them that, whether it's mentally, which emotionally, psychologically, like all those things, financially, yes. But it's like, how do you do that for other people that don't know that they need it or don't have the support system? So that's really kind of how I got to motivational speaking years ago was like, how do I help somebody else? And then through helping people, what you learn is you're, you, you're like, you're, you're helping yourself. You know, we talked about my dad earlier. One of the things I talk, used to talk about in my speeches with kids was my my relationship with my dad. I don't know if you dug this out, but I did a show for MTV called MTV Made back in the day. Okay. And um, the kid I was working with had a dad issue. And here I am, you know, spending three months in a hotel filming this show to help a kid who had a dad issue. So what I learned in this process, Gary, was like it, if you if you have some faith, it didn't really happen to you. Like I always believe that God was trying to do it through me. So if I was willing to give to other people, share those pains, those adversities, those failures, I could help somebody else not have to go through it the same way or not have to go through it alone. And so I think once I got that mindset, which I think was implanted in, inside of me, then I cultivated that. And then I was pretty good at it. And then all of a sudden I'm on, I'm on national tours. I'm speaking, I'm empowering people. I'm on TV doing really cool things. And it just kind of became like, oh, like this is what you were, you were really called to do. And the only reason why I stopped speaking full time was because I needed to spend more time home. And so that's how I made the transition to marketing. Mm. One thing that you got to learn real quick as a speaker is that if you can't market yourself, nobody knows you exist. Nobody's going to pay for you to get on stage. And therefore you can't share your message. You have to be a good marketer. And that's what I learned. And I just converted it into my marketing business today to do the same thing I was doing then. I'm just doing it in a different format. Well, you've got a lot, a uh, lot going on for sure. What uh, give us an idea of what's next? What's uh, what's that vision for for Travis Brown uh, personally, and uh, and also Mojo Up Marketing? What's uh, what's next? Well, personally, it's easy. It's just I'm trying to be a great husband, father, friend to to the people that are around me. From a company perspective, number one, we're just trying to build an amazing culture. It's about a culture that everybody wants to come work at, uh, be a part of, and nobody wants to leave. Um, and I think that's important to us to build that type of culture uh, here at Mojo Up. From a from a client perspective, it's also about elevation, elevating our opportunity to do great work, meaningful work. But like I mentioned earlier, it's not just about Mojo Up. We're trying to pave the way to make it easier for other MBEs, you know, other Black-owned agencies and creatives to do what we're doing. And and you know, I was talking to a guy yesterday at lunch, and I said, you know, I don't I don't know if we want to build this to sell it or really build it how I originally thought it, which was to be 25, 30 years down the road. There's still a Black-owned marketing agency in this city that's competing at the highest level. And, you know, we've had a chance recently, I'm super excited for our team to go toe-to-toe with a lot of big agencies. We want a long-term account, renew agency of record for the Grill Coalition of Indiana. And so it was a big deal for us. I kind of put us on the map a little bit when it comes to that, that, that recognition. And when you realize you can do that and all the impact that it makes, the motivation that is giving other people, you know, I have a podcast called Diverse and Talented that really features uh, top executives, black and brown executives in the city, you know, just all those different parts that come together. And I hope it leaves one message is that you can do it. You can be it. You can accomplish it. You're going to go through adversity. You're going to have challenges, but you can make it. 
Travis Brown is the uh, CEO, the founder of Mojo Up Marketing uh, and Media. Travis, really been a pleasure to catch up with you uh, and hear about your story and importantly about your success too. And uh, I've got a feeling there's more success in your future and look forward to following that. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. It It was great being here. All right. And thank you for joining us on this episode of the Business and Beyond podcast presented by PNC. It is a weekly conversation with achievers in business, sports, entertainment, and beyond. And you can catch all of our episodes and Indiana Business News 24-7. All you have to do is go to InsideIndianaBusiness.com. I'm Gary Dick. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time.